Welcome to the Parkway Fellowship Podcast. We hope that God speaks to you through this message from Pastor Mike McGowan. Continuing in week three of this message series called Savoring the Christmas Fruitcake. And in, in my research about fruitcake, like, like, I came across the craziest story I got to tell you. Um, the, get this, the Antarctic Heritage Trust found a fruitcake frozen in the ice in the Antarctic from a failed expedition 107 years ago. The expedition failed 107 years ago. It's been frozen in the ice. Okay, they found it just last year. And when they found it, it was, the fruitcake was still in its original tin can. In fact, I got a picture of it here. Put this up there. Here's a picture of the fruitcake. And, the, and when they opened the tin can, they found it wrapped in its paper. So let's, let's go to the next picture. And you, the reason we, they knew it was a fruitcake is because like the label in the middle, see there, it says fruitcake. Um, so that's how they knew exactly what it was. And so what they decided to do was they peeled back the paper. And then here's a close-up shot of what, what they, when they peeled back the paper, like the fruitcake was still there, and they said in their published article that it was in excellent condition and smelled almost edible. <laughs> it smelled almost edible. Is that fantastic or what? I mean, I just died when I read this thing. And uh, so now it's on display at their headquarters. Uh, and no, nobody has taken a bite of the fruitcake. It's just preserved there for them, okay? And so here, here's, <laughs> here's the point. And really, this is the point of the whole series, is that fruitcakes show up in the most unexpected places, both in the Antarctic and in our lives, right? And so these crazy things that happen, these unexpected, unexpected things when things go wrong, and believe me, at Christmas time, things go wrong, especially when you know, we're, we're trying to juggle personal schedules and work schedules and, you know, family and who's going to go see who and when and getting presents for everybody and coordinating meals and who's going to be cooking when and bringing it over to, and just juggling all that. I'm telling you, it's so easy for plans to go awry, for things to just not work out like we had carefully laid them out. And those, when those fruitcakes show up and just, you know, blow up our plans, what happens? What happens is a lot of times when those plans blow up, when those plans get derailed, we get derailed, right? And when we get derailed, when we emotionally get derailed, that makes other people around us get derailed, Right? I mean, we've all, we've, all been, we've all done it, and we've all been on the receiving end of it, too. And so when that happens, when all of our best laid plans, when everything doesn't go smoothly, when everything's gone awry, when the, like those fruitcakes just show up in our lives, and our plans now smell almost edible, how does God want me to respond? Because here's what happens. When those fruitcakes show up, and all of those things get derailed and all that kind of stuff is happening, we tend to lose sight of what Christmas is really all about. We tend to lose sight that Christmas is not about everything going right. It's about the birth of Christ, that he came to this world, and that birth has changed us and changed our world forever. But when we get all sideways, I'm telling you, 
that the real meaning of Christmas gets buried under all of the emotional rubble and we lose sight of what it's really all about. So how, do, how can we respond differently? How, how when, when things don't go right, how can we respond how God wants us to respond? Well, I think the best way for us to figure that out is to look at two of God's most faithful followers and how they responded. Because when they had multiple fruitcakes show up in their lives, when multiple things went wrong, literally nothing went as they expected, how did they respond? And the lessons that, that we learn from their lives can help us understand how God wants, would want us to respond when these fruitcakes show up in our lives, not just at Christmas, but you know, pretty much any time of the year. The two people I'm talking about are Mary and Joseph. Because that very first Christmas season, I'm telling you, there were so many fruitcakes that showed up in their lives, and how they respond is incre- gives incredible lessons for us and how God wants us to respond. So let me catch up on where we are at this point in their lives, okay? Uh, Mary has already become pregnant even though she's a virgin. Uh, she and Joseph are not formally married, but they are engaged. And this, you know, despite the sneers and the judgmental looks that they get from people around them, they're committed to following God and doing what he tells them to do, even though they don't understand most of what has happened to them. And none of it, n- most of it doesn't make sense to them. And, it, and at this point in the account, Mary is nine months pregnant and on the verge of giving birth. And in that moment, the Romans, which we learned last week, they invented the fruitcake. The Romans dropped the biggest fruitcake possible into their young lives. Here is what happens. You can follow along in your Bible or on your sermon notes or on your phone or however you want to. In Luke chapter 2, verse 1, here's what the Bible says. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to his own town to register. Now, I know that for us, like that doesn't really seem like that big of a deal, right? And let's be honest, to the Romans, it wasn't a big deal to take a census. But to everybody else, this was huge. Because now they've got to go back to their hometown to register for the census. And so it turned their whole world upside down for us. In fact, think about it. <clears throat> if all of a sudden something unexpected happened and you've got to make a trip to go back to your own hometown where you grew up, where would you have to go? I mean, I mean some of you, you know, you grew up around here and so you wouldn't have to go very far. But others, you'd have to go a long way. But listen, whether you're, whether you're close or far away, here's the deal. All of you are taking that trip by car or by maybe even by airplane. I mean, ain't nobody going on foot, right? In fact, I mean, we don't go anywhere on foot. In fact, when you're, I know some of you, when you're Christmas shopping at the mall and you're at one end of the mall and you, what you need is at the other end of the mall, like you don't walk, you go out, get in your car and you drive, right? Because like, we, we just don't do that. But Mary and Joseph, they didn't have that option. They had to go on, make this journey on foot. Now, bottom line, in Mary and Joseph's day, everybody's plans that season got turned upside down by this fruitcake that the Romans dropped on everybody's lives. Okay, thank you very much, Rome. 
And so, but there's a lesson for us about when those unexpected fruitcakes show up. Here's the first lesson today, and I'll write this down, okay? The lesson is this. Is unexpected changes are often God's mapped out plans. Unexpected changes are often God's mapped out plans. Okay, I'm going to th- think about this for a second. From the close of the Old Testament to the opening of the New Testament, and that's where Mary and Joseph are. This is at the opening of the New Testament. From the close of the Old to the opening of the New, there are 400 years in which God has been silent. 400 years, there have been no prophets, there have been no revelations, nothing significantly spiritual has happened. Literally, God has been silent for 400 years. And so now the Romans declare that everybody's got to go back to their hometown to register for this census. And you know what? All that feels like to everybody is that Rome is just doing one other thing to just make life hard on us. It doesn't feel or seem very spiritual. But it is. And by the way, for those of you that have been coming to church for a while, or maybe you even grew up in church, do you remember the last time in the Bible that God was silent for 400 years? Do you remember the last time when literally nothing significantly spiritual happened for 400 years? Remember when that was? That was when the people of Israel were slaves in Egypt. And what, get this, what God does at the end of that 400-year period is remarkably similar to what God does at the end of this 400-year period. For instance, the people in Egypt were slaves to the Egyptians. The people in Israel, in this day we're talking about for Mary and Joseph, they were slaves to sin. In Egypt, God sent a deliverer, and his name was Moses. In Israel, God sends a deliverer, and his name is Jesus. In Egypt, there was a sacrifice made, and it was known as the Passover lamb. In Israel, uh, Jesus was sacrificed on the cross, and he symbolically is referred to as our Passover lamb. For those coming out of Egypt, they were sent to the promised land. It was a literal place that they went to to start a new life. For those that follow Jesus, the promised land is eternal life in heaven. So you see, <clears throat> what we sometimes view as just a fruitcake, some sort of random thing that happens, some thing that just blows up our carefully laid plans, is something that God has been planning for a very long time. See, God uses Get this, God uses the unexpected things that happen in our lives to accomplish his purposes. In fact, unexpected changes are often spiritually purposeful. And I'll say this, probably the more unexpected it is, probably the more spiritual in nature God can use it in your life. So you know what that means? It means that when a, a, a fruitcake just you know, literally just blows up your carefully laid out plans, when you know, something unexpected happens, and, you know, all of a sudden things smell almost edible, okay, when that happens, be open to the fact that it might actually be a part of God's extraordinary design in your life. And what that means is that, that this Christmas and, or any Christmas or in, throughout the year, when something unexpected happens, don't freak out. Like, don't wig out. Take 
Take a deep breath, step back, and make room in your heart that it might be part of God's carefully mapped out plan. It might be part of God's carefully mapped out plan. And your only job is to trust. Your job is not to complain. Your job is not to just get all frustrated and mad and just throw you know, a little te- adult temper tantrum. Your only job is to just trust God. Just like Mary and Joseph did. Just trust God for the next step. Knowing that this might be part of his carefully mapped out plan. So, let's continue reading what happens. <clears throat> In verse 4, here's what, it, here's what the Bible says. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea in Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. Okay? I want you to underline Nazareth in Galilee to Judea in Bethlehem, or to Bethlehem. Underline that. And then somewhere above that underlined part, I want you to write 90 miles. Because it's, a, it's about a 90-mile journey from Nazareth in the north to Bethlehem in the south. That is how far they had to travel. Now, we did a, <laughs> we did a little research because, uh, you know, apparently we just have a lot of free time. Um, we did a little research. Average donkey speed is 3.5 miles an hour. Probably didn't know that. Feel free to use that at parties. Average donkey speed is 3.5 miles an hour, which means, if you do the math, that Mary was going to spend 25 hours, nine months pregnant on the back of a donkey. That's a big fruitcake, right? <laughs> She was been 25 hours on the back of a donkey just trying to get there. And so, <laughs> and, why were the, and why? Because they were required by a census to go back to their hometown. Now, in their day and time, there are only two reasons for a census. The first reason was to count the number of able-bodied young men in order to uh, find out who was able to fight in the army, who was available to fight in the army. Now, this wouldn't have applied to Mary and Joseph because only Romans could serve in the Roman army. So that, wasn't, that couldn't have been the reason. The second reason why, people, why they took a census that day was to make sure that everybody was paying their taxes. So the only reason that Mary and Joseph have to take this 25-hour donkey ride is so that at the end of it, they can pay more taxes. Thank you, Romans. Right? And so that's what's at the end of this. Now, here's what I want you to see. Nowhere in the historical account, nowhere anywhere in any account, do Mary and Joseph ever complain. There's no record uh, that they were upset or that they had a bad attitude or that, you know, they resented the Romans or they went begrudgingly or they went kicking and screaming, you know, arguing the whole way. Now, look, I, I, I know this. Okay. Like, we don't, have, we don't have recordings of their conversations that they had while they were on this 25-hour 25 25, uh, donkey ride. We don't have, you know, a record of what they said to each other when they got turned away at the end that night, okay? So could they have been complaining? Could they have been fussy? I mean, they could have. But here's the thing. That's, that's just simply not the impression we get about Mary and Joseph from the Bible. In fact, in Luke chapter 2, verse 19, when all of it is over, the Bible says that Mary 
treasured up all these things in her heart. I mean, that just doesn't sound like people who were complaining the whole time. In fact, it sounds like people who just accepted what happened, just accepted the changes and they just rolled with it. So I want you to I want you to think deeply here for just a second. I want to go deep here for just a second. <clears throat> Have you ever thought about why Mary and Joseph would not have been the complaining type even when all this went down for them and all these changes just blew up on them? Have you ever thought about why? I think it's because of this next lesson. Write this down. Is that last-minute changes are only last-minute to me. Last-minute changes are only last-minute to me. <clears throat> to think anything else would mean that God has no idea what happens next. Like, he's just kind of playing it by ear as we go. Well, I mean, look, which we all know that's not true, because, look, we already see that God plans things at least 400 years in advance. We've already seen that just from this story. So this last-minute census by the Romans, yes, it's, la it's a last-minute change to Mary and Joseph, but it's not last-minute to God. It's not taking God by surprise. This unexpected trip to Bethlehem during her nine-month pregnancy, that's not last-minute to God. It's only last-minute to Mary and Joseph. Like, that's it. And, and I think Mary and Joseph knew that. I think they were fully aware that, you know what? God saw all this coming. In fact, I think that they believed God saw all this coming before they were even born. God knew all this was going to happen. Because look, here's the thing, there's, there's no fruitcake that surprises God. None. And see, once you get to that point in your life, once you get to the point in your life where you realize that there are no surprises to God, that every, no, there's nothing that's last minute to God, once you get to that point in your life, that that, that's when you get that it is only then that you can not complain it's only when you get to that point that you cannot complain because what you realize is that you know whatever happens in my life when a fruitcake drops in the middle of it and just kind of blows everything up that I thought it was going to I thought how things were going to go all that really means is that somehow that fruitcake is a part of God's overall plan for my life and he wants to use it in some fashion so why would I complain about that? When I realize that God can use any of those things as a part of my life, why would I complain because God is at work accomplishing his carefully mapped out plans? It, yes, it's the last minute to me, but it's not last minute to him, so why would I complain about that? In fact, when you complain and you, you know, throw a tantrum and you like, you know, get all wound up about stuff, all you're really putting on display is that you have yet to arrive at the place where you genuinely believe that God is in charge of every detail of your life. I'm not saying you can't feel upset or you can't feel angry or can't feel, I'm not saying that. But when you, you know, get on social media and you just throw an adult temper tantrum or when you complain to your friends all the time or when you just, you post whatever and you just, you know, throw a big fit about it all, all you're really showing is that you genuinely haven't arrived yet at the place where you believe that God's in charge of every detail. Because look, here's the thing. It might be a last-minute change to you, but it's not last-minute to God. 
He saw it coming before you were even born. And so just trust that he can use it and will use it as a part of your life. That's what Mary and Joseph did. And I think that's what our Heavenly Father wants us to do as well. Okay, one more. Let's continue. Verse 5. It says, he went there, that's Joseph. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. He was expecting a child. In fact, here's here's the deal. The only thing that Mary and Joseph were expecting was a child. Like, that's it. They, no, nothing else that happened that entire first Christmas season was anything that they expected. Mary did not expect to become pregnant because she was a virgin. They didn't expect to have a baby before they were married. They didn't expect that they were going to stay engaged, but, but God had to tell Joseph not to throw in the towel through, through a dream. They didn't expect to be in Bethlehem. They didn't expect to have to spend the night in a stable with all the animals. They didn't expect to go through this whole ordeal alone without family nearby. They didn't expect the shepherds to show up that night that Jesus was born. They didn't expect the Magi to show up later on. In fact, the only thing that they did expect was that they were going to have a baby. That's it. So get this. In the, in the midst of all this chaos, that first Christmas... The only thing they could count on for sure was Jesus. Look, I don't want to sound like too like church cliche, but the same is true for you and me. The only thing you and I can count on for sure is Jesus. In the midst of the chaos, in the midst of all the change, in the midst of things that just start go so unexpected that we couldn't possibly have foreseen or predicted, the only thing that we can count on for sure is Jesus. And that's not just true at Christmas, that's true year-round. And so here's the lesson, write this down. When Jesus is all I have, he is enough. When Jesus is all I have, he is enough. <clears throat> The first time I really learned this lesson in a deep way was in 1994. In 1994, I was on the verge of graduating from seminary. I'd been serving, I'd been pastoring in a rural church of about 75 people, but I knew that my time there was coming to an end. I didn't didn't know what to expect after graduation. I didn't know what to expect of where I was going to go next. So I didn't know what to expect as far as income. I didn't know what to expect as far as where I was going to live. I had interviewed at multiple churches uh, to be a a pastor, but none of them seemed very interested. I've been contacted by several churches about being a youth pastor. So like, I didn't know what to expect as far as my career goes. I wasn't married. I wasn't even dating anybody at the time. So actually, the only thing that I did expect was that I was going to be alone. That was all I knew. But bottom line, everything in my life was just, uh, you know, up in the air. And I, I had no idea what was going to happen next. And I remember, I remember going home to my parents' house that Christmas. And on Christmas Eve, I went to church with my mom and dad. And they had a candlelight Christmas Eve service, just like we have here. <laughs> and I remember that night on Christmas Eve, and I was sitting there holding my candle, and I... I 
I don't remember the Christmas carols that we were singing. I don't remember the sermon that night. I, like, I don't remember anything except I remember sitting there holding my candle and just, just staring at the flame. And I remember praying in my heart, Jesus, I have no idea what's going to happen next. And the only thing I can hold on to right now is you. And I need you to hold on to the rest of my life. And I, look, I'm telling you, you know, you know what happened next? I'm telling you, I was sitting there, just waves of peace came over my heart. I, I've never experienced anything like it. Waves of peace came over my heart. And, and I knew, like I just, I just knew everything was going to be okay. I had no idea how anything was going to turn out, but I knew it was going to be okay. Because when Jesus was all I had to hold on to, he was enough. In fact, he was more than enough. Look, I hope you never get to the point where Jesus is all you have. But if you find yourself at that place, or you know what, or even if you find yourself and you have other things to hold on to, either way, I'm telling you, hold on to Jesus. Because when you hold on to him, you will find he is enough. In fact, you'll find that he is more than enough. Now, look, I think about Mary and Joseph. That night, that very first Christmas Eve, literally nothing went like they planned. The only thing they got to hold that night was Jesus. And when they held him, it was enough. And the Bible says that Mary treasured up all those things in her heart. And you can too. Bow your head, close your eyes. <clears throat> And I don't want anybody looking around. Just keep your head bowed and your eyes closed. Let me just say this. If you've never asked Jesus to come into your life to forgive you for everything you've ever done and to save you from your sins and, and so that you could follow him. If you've never done that, there's a prayer at your, in your message notes at the bottom. If you've never prayed that prayer before, then while your head's bowed and your eyes are closed and you know, you're, you're looking down, I want you to take a minute and I want you to pray that prayer right now. If you've never become a Christ follower and you're ready to ask Jesus, and you're saying, man, Jesus, I'm ready to hold on to you with all that I am, then I want you to pray that prayer right now. And while you're praying that prayer, I'm going to pray for everybody else. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you that for me in my life, you've been enough. And, I, and you know that's not just church cliche, like it's true. And I pray for everybody here that is experiencing some fruitcake right now in their life, some things that are distasteful, things that smell almost edible, but they're not, that you would let them cling to you and that you would show yourself to be more than enough. And I pray for all of us, that you would help all of us to follow you with all of our hearts, trusting you, knowing that whatever happens, it's, it might be last minute to us, but it's not last minute to you. You've seen it all coming. You knew it. And so we're not going to complain and we're not going to throw a fit. We're going to trust and we're going to follow 
and we're going to obey. And we're going to be like Mary and Joseph, that just take each step with you hand in hand. We love you. Thank you for today. Help us to follow you with everything we are. It's in the name of Jesus we all pray. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. For more information about Parkway Fellowship, find us online at parkwayfellowship.com. You can also download our mobile app for access to the most recent messages, video content, and much more.